Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Now Moses is, is preparing them. Uh, they're fixing to go into the promised land and he is preparing them uh, for the future. And he's given them a warning or an exhortation uh, to uh, don't forget the things that your eyes have seen. God has done great things for you. And, and don't let them depart from your heart all the days of your life. Uh, first, there was a challenge to the parents. And if you'll read these scriptures, uh, in fact, Deuteronomy chapter 4 uh, through chapter 6, it is specifically uh, directed toward parents. And it, so the first the challenge was to the parents. And because he said, now, don't let it depart from your heart, and then teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Teach them to your children. The responsibility. First, take care of your heart. Make sure that your heart is right. Make sure that you don't forget what God has done for you. And then don't keep it to yourself, but you rehearse those things in the hearing and in the sight of your children. And then he doesn't stop there. And he said, and then when the grandkids come along, thank God for grandkids. And then when the grandkids come along, you share with them also everything that God has done for you. So it kind of sets a pattern down for parents. Now, and I thought when I was, when I was putting this together, uh, I wasn't a Christian when uh, some of my children were born. And possibly you are here today and you, you weren't a believer uh, and maybe your children was already gone from the home before you gave your heart and life to the Lord. Uh, can, I, can I encourage you today? Start where you're at with what I'm going to say today. If God has forgotten your past, the best thing you can do is quit dragging it up and, and go on. If, God, if, it is, if your past is under the blood, uh, just leave it there. And what I'm going to be sharing with you today, let, let, let's just start right here and go forward, okay? So, so if you, it was, your children was gone, before you gave your heart to the Lord, you got grandkids. You got a second chance. And you can instill in their life what God has entrusted with you. Here's an 83-year-old man who, who come, comes to Christ in the evening years of his life, and he's going to have a, a lot of opportunity. Now, he, he missed some opportunities as he was growing older, but he has an opportunity now to start doing what is right. And so do we. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4, says this. Hear, O Israel. Can I, can I change that and say, listen up, church. Listen up, church. Now, he was trying to get Israel's attention, but maybe God's trying to get our attention today. Listen up, church. The Lord our God, uh, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Notice the challenge is to parents first. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. If the, the parents, the families are challenged. I want you to love God supremely. Love Him with all your heart, all your strength. And it shall be in the words which I command you shall first of all be in your heart. You cannot, you cannot communicate what you do not possess. Let me run that by you again. You cannot communicate. I cannot communicate what I do not possess. I can't pass on to someone something that I do not have myself. 
So he's, uh, the challenge is to the parents. First of all, it's got to be in your heart. And then verse 7 says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. How are you going to do that? You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. It's, it's life. It's not just a one-moment thing. It is a lifestyle. You're going to teach your children in, in what you do, what you say, where you go, uh, everything. When you sit in your house, uh, you're going to be communicating to people that are watching you. Psalms 127 and verse 3 said, just simply says this, Children are a heritage from the Lord. You've heard that scripture before, a heritage, an inheritance. God has given you an inheritance. It's like your, your parents before you handing something down to you that they had, they had laid up or laid up in store. Uh, they, so children are a heritage from the Lord. Now, it is evident from the scriptures that I read to you that the family is the primary vehicle that God chose to pass faith on from one generation to the next. It wasn't, he didn't choose the government. He, he didn't choose the, the, the little uh, daycare center on the corner. Uh, he did not choose that, but he chose the family, and the family is a primary vehicle which God chose to pass faith from one generation to the next. The family is the oldest institution known to man. It's the basic uh, uh, unit of society. In fact, it is coexistent with the human race. The family when, when God formed Adam out of the dust, he formed a family because Eve was taken from him. When God breathed into Adam the breath of lives, it literally means lives. God has shared something with you and I that he, shared, that he did not share with the rest of creation. He, he shared with us the ability to create something that is eternal. When that child is born, at the moment of conception, God breathed some 6,000 years ago, when Adam was just a lump of clay and formless, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of lives. And when he, when he, when he did that, I, he, he imparted to Adam and to Eve the ability to procreate. And the, what they procreated was something that was divine. It was eternal, a soul that would live forever. So when he created Adam, he created a family out of, out of his, uh, his uh, body that was sleeping. He took the rib. He didn't go back to the dirt. He took the rib, and he built the woman. And so the family came from Adam. In fact, it is coexistent with the human race. The family predates human government. Long before government was ever known about, there was the, there was the family. The family predates the school system. In fact, uh, I could say something, but I'm not. The family predates the church. Now, I realize that a lot of people depend upon the church to do a lot of things that, you know, People come by and drop their children off at church, but the family predates the church and doesn't, it, you know, we don't escape the responsibility of, of being Christian parents by dropping them off at church. The Christian family, get this, are a family with a balanced worldview is the last line of defense against a society that has gone off course. Have you ever watched the news and, you, and, and thought, how can I be so out of touch? Because I don't identify with the way they think at all. My worldview and Washington's worldview are miles and miles and miles apart. If you have a balanced worldview, if you was raised by a, a, a balanced family, 
your worldview will differ from what society you see on the news. And you will wonder, how did they come up with that? Why? Because your worldview tends to lean toward this Bible rather than what they go by. Your worldview and the values and the things that you believe in your heart is where you get your moral values. It's where you, it's where you get your, your values or, or your thinking about marriage. It, it's where you get your values concerning politics. It's where you get your, that what your worldview is. And the closer you get to the Bible, the more balanced you will be. This book is true. Washington is wrong. Don't think you're a minority. Listen, what, I don't care what they say, this book is right. I don't care how educated, I don't, know how, I don't care how many degrees they have behind their name. If, they, if what they are saying does not agree with this book, they are a fool. Amen. They may have a BS. You know what BS is. Easy. <laughs> the Christian family or a family with a balanced worldview is the last line of defense against a society that has gone off course and our society is going off course every day. When you do away with absolutes, confusion is always the result. It used to be that honesty was the best policy. Thou shalt not bear false witness. But in today's world, that's not always the case. If lying can get you out of it, it's all right to lie. What's right for you might not be right for me. Boy, and on and on and on the story goes. And we can go a long ways with getting out of balance from that. In fact, the breakdown of our society and the way it begin to get off course is when the home ceased to be what God intended the home to be. Father working, mom keeping the house and watching the kids. How many knows that only 7% of America's families fit that pattern anymore? So only 7% of America's families are what we would call a traditional Bible family with a husband working, the wife standing at home and taking care of the kids. That is a vanishing lifestyle. And if, and if society keeps going, that will, a traditional family, it will be a very, very rare thing. And, to all the, and we have all these variations now of families. Most, most times today, and I realize that our society and our world has put pressure on, on people and the wives have to work and, and to help make ends meet and took them out of the home. And now we have the rise of daycare centers and all that other stuff. And I'm not opposed to all that stuff as long as mom and dad don't forget the responsibility of raising their children to deserves, not the daycare. And to all these variations of what is now called families, millions, get this now, millions of children will be born to all these variations of families. How these children are raised and the values they develop will have a tremendous effect on our society. It'll be a positive or a negative thing. It's important business raising children. And advice comes from every direction. But you may want to remember that God is the one who blessed you with them, and he could have some advice on how they are raised. Where did they come from? Well, I, I, I had an accident. Here they are. It doesn't make any difference how they got here. They're yours. They're yours. And without, you know, by looking at them, they don't look like a blessing. 
And if that's the only inheritance that God gave me, I'm going to have to talk to him. Oh, boy. God has some advice on how children are to be raised. And now, if you, if, you know, however you got your children, whether they were adoptive, if you adopted them, that, that is great. Uh, and I, you signed up for the job. And I commend you for adopting children and having the, uh, a large enough heart to embrace the job and the ministry of raising uh, children that are not necessarily your own, own blood. And I commend you. But remember, if you have children, you, you adopted them, you signed up for that job, and you have a responsibility to raise them the way God wants you to. Now, the government did not give you your children. God did. And the government is not supposed to raise them. You are. The government-assisted daycare centers, it might be all well and good to help you and assist you in life, but when you go get them from that daycare center, it's your responsibility to teach them the right thing, no matter what they learn there. Amen. Notice this. Your children did not, did not ask to be born. They did not ask to be born, but you have them. However, in whatever way you have children, those children have rights. I don't want to, that's what I want to talk to you about. In a world where everybody is screaming for the rights, children have some. And if you're journaling, I want to give you about three or four or five things real quick that you need to remember. Number one, they have a right to be a child. Number one, they have a right to be a child. Don't rush your children into adulthood too fast. I've been 30-some years in ministry, and I'm telling you, when parents release their child with no restrictions and you let them grow up too fast, it is always devastating because they are not emotionally able to handle adult situations. And tragic usually is the end of the story because they, they come up getting in some kind of a problem. Our society as a whole is forcing children into adulthood way too early through the philosophy they teach and through the movies and the music and the TV and all that stuff. Children have a tendency to want to grow up too fast. Don't allow them to do that. You're the parent. You're the parent. Don't allow your children to grow up too fast. You say, now, wait, wait a minute, you know, don't think it's funny when you, your teenage girl dresses like, a, you know, your junior or, or young teenage girl dresses. You know, I, I drove a bus for 12 years. And the girls and stuff that I picked up was not the girls I dropped off. I saw them go through a metamorphosis. I saw them go through a change. They'd get on, they'd get on the school bus, and they would, they would look just like a young girl, an innocent young girl. And by the time they got to school, the girl that they got off was not the girl they got on. And every once in a while, I'd catch them back there. They're putting on their makeup and their eyelashes, and they're doing my, I mean, some of them would even change their clothes and uh, bring it a, a different, you know, blouse or whatever, in their, in their, and I'd catch them uh, when they was putting on their, their eyeliner stuff, and I'd shake the bus. <laughs> go, rrr, rrr. I thought, I'll teach them. <laughs> and sometimes when I got acquainted with them, I'd say, Do your, does your mama know about this? No, they don't. See, they have a tendency to want to grow up too fast. And the peer pressure, you know, from school and from friends whose parents have given them too much freedom, pressure young people to have that boyfriend, that girlfriend situation. I'll tell you, they're too young for that. 
In fact, you keep them in line. You only give them a certain amount of liberty. Uh, make them look forward to the freedom that they're going to have in their future rather than giving it to them all at once. Because when you do that as a parent, you open your child up for, for some things that they don't need to face because they're too young. They have a right to be a child. They will grow up soon enough. Guard their childhood. Allow them to be innocent as long as possible. Soon enough, you'll experience the empty nest. Keep them children as long as possible. That once noisy house, pretty silent now, isn't it? But it just seemed like yesterday. Jeff is enjoying that. boy. That messy room. <laughs> I used to walk by Nancy's room and I just back up to the door. Pull it closed. Didn't even want to look inside. Yeah, I did. Something could be dead in there. I don't know. What's that lump in the, underneath? The, hey, what's that lump underneath all those clothes? It, it just moved. Oh, it's her friend. <laughs> Here, Jesus, the messiest house. Maybe she's got better since we. I'm sorry, Rock. <laughs> hmm. Soon that room will be tidy because there's nobody in it. They're gone. Keep them, children, as long as possible. Because soon they will be having children of their own, and then you can really have some fun. Send them back. They have a right to be loved. Secondly, they have a right to be loved. Are we communicating by word and deed that we love them? Are we communicating to them that we love them? But everybody communicates love different ways. And a lot of people write books. You got to do this. 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 Every person in this building is different. And you express love differently than anybody else. Uh, I was raised in a family where the word love was very rarely ever used. In fact, it was way up until my dad was way up in his years uh, after I'd come to the Lord that I would force him to say that he loved me. He never expressed his love in a verbal way, but he expressed his love in so many other different ways. I never questioned his love because he was always there. He, he, you know, he, he, was just, he was just there. He was constant. He was abiding. John chapter 3, verse 16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Listen, you may have grown up. You may be here this morning, and you may have grown up not feeling love. You may have not had the greatest home life. You may have been rejected. Your parents... Uh, your, your dad or your mom uh, may have left you. You could have been in an abusive situation or you suffered rejection. Can I say to you today, there is someone who loves you supremely and you don't have to go around with your head hung down or with a gloom over your head or, and suffering with depression because I show you a God today that is, is, is terribly in love with you and he doesn't care what you've done in your past. He's just waiting for you to come to his family because your heavenly father loves you. You are of value. You are of great value to him. You are so valuable to him, he gave his only son for you. Your parents may have rejected you, but God has not. Oh, Lord Jesus, hold your head up. You are of great value, and you are loved this morning. Love is expressed many different ways, not just vocally. In fact, love expressed vocally doesn't mean anything if not backed up by action. 
what good does, somebody, does it mean when somebody says they love you if, if by their actions you know they don't? Which would you rather have? Someone who never told you they loved you and was faithful and consistent and, and was there for you all the time? Or somebody that told you they loved you and was never there? Which would you rather have? Which would you rather have? Somebody that said they loved you but never paid the bills and you came home and didn't have enough in the icebox to eat? Or, or, somebody, you know, is that, is, or somebody that did not say they loved you and you never wanted for any needs in your life? There's many ways to express love. And most times love is expressed by actions. How do you do it? You start by loving their mother. You miss a good chance to say amen, moms. How do they express love to your family? You start by loving their mother. Love enough to stay together. Love enough to stay together. Now, it might be, might be tough, but it's all right. Treat each other right. Talk to each other in a right way. Show a little kindness. Live 1 Corinthians 13 rather than just reading it. How are you going to show and express love in your home? You're going to love mama. I had a father who didn't express love vocally, but I knew he loved my mama. Every once in a while, I'd catch him. He'd be holding her in the kitchen. <laughs> He's trying to encourage her to cook. <laughs> Kissing wears out. <laughs> Loving their mother. <laughs> you heard the story about the guy that went for 20 years, didn't kiss his wife, then shot the guy that did. How do you do it? Go to work. Go to work. Doesn't mean that you, you know, it doesn't mean you have to give your children the best of everything. In fact, if you try to give your children the best of everything, you'll probably ruin them. They won't, they won't appreciate the stuff anyway because they got it too easy. And they won't know the value of stuff. Some things they have to work for, they need to have to work for. Some things they need to have to wait for so that they'll appreciate them when, when, when you get them. Now, I realize that we have a, a tendency to want to give our children the things that we didn't have. But if, when we do that, sometimes we, we, we miss our children doesn't get the things that we did get. Which is appreciation of the things that that we ultimately get, all right? Notice now, go to work, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. He that, that, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Go to work, start providing. Number three, children have a right to be disciplined. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24, he who spares his rod, let me put it this way, he who spares the switch, or spares the belt, hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Now I realize today, in today's world, and in today's news, there, there's abuse going on, you know. It's really out there, you know, that, uh, you know, so one of the football players left stripes uh, on, on, his, on his child. My dad would be arrested today. He would go to the chair. Oh, Lord. 
I, I, Mom used to make me go cut a switch. That's bad when you've got to cut the own switch that you're going to get a whooping with. I remember bringing back a little one. Well, she told me to go get it. And then it wasn't big enough. She made me go back. She said, now you go back and get a limb. That was a long walk. I thought about running away, but I didn't know which way to run. <laughs> they have a right to be disciplined. <laughs> life is built on, last time I checked, life was built on laws. <clears throat> and if you break those laws, there's consequences for breaking the laws. And you and I have to pass these things on to our children. The Bible is full of tragic stories of parents and men who failed to discipline their children. I can tell you the story of priests, of Christians who did not discipline their children, and their children took advantage of everything that went on. I can tell you the story of David who did not discipline his children. He had nothing but problems in his household because he failed to discipline his children. I can tell you you're setting yourself up for failure if you do not discipline your children. And you're setting them up for failure in their future because if you don't discipline them, somebody will. Don't smile at rebellion. One, thanks, Cedric. Keep it up, buddy. Don't smile at rebellion one day and think it's cute and then jerk him up and enforce it the next. God takes a dim view of rebellion. God hates rebellion. And as parents, you have to teach your children how to respond to discipline. Listen, because God is going to discipline his children. And they, will, you, they won't understand. Start when they're young. Start early in life. Set limits and rules and then enforce them. Chances are they, the better they will be self-disciplined. And God controlled it up because you were disciplined. And God motivated yourself when they were young. <laughs> now there's two ways of discipline. One is with the rod. I don't know which one the other one was. I, I didn't get that one. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. It says train up. All right. Train up a child in the way he should go. And, and the rod is one. Or the belt or the switch. Uh, and there's a correct place to apply that one. I used to have my kids bend across the bed. You remember that? Oh. I forgot. I didn't make you bend over the bed? Oh, I just whooped you. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> it didn't hurt you, did it? You can't even remember. You can't even remember. Yeah. Oh, that was a bad sound. Have I ever heard that? When your belt comes through those loops? That. How many here never got a whipping? That's the problem with you guys. <laughs> I'm only kidding. How many did not receive whippings when they were growing up? Or any kind of correction? No correction. <laughs> All girls. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then she married Pete, and now Pete's getting it. <laughs> You're the man. 
<laughs> You're the man. Start when they're young. Now listen, start when they're young. Two ways, one with a rod, and then the scripture talks about admonition. That's words. They'll be too, they will grow to the point where the rod or the switch gives way to sitting down and reasoning with them. Train them up in the fear and the admonition. Admonition is words. Giving them instruction, wise counsel. Train them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. So when they're young, sometimes the rod is, is, is needed to correct them and, and to teach them submission to authority. And then, then when they get to the place where they can reason, then you start to talk to them uh, with words. Number four, give them a light to walk in. Give them a light to walk in. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child in the way he should go. The term train, train up is associated with the mouth, the, the gums, the palate, the roof of the mouth. And it's used two ways by the Hebrews. In reference, number one, to breaking a wild horse by putting a bit in its mouth. You train, you bring that strength uh, of that stallion or that, or that wild horse. You bring that strength under sub submission because you have something in his mouth. You don't break his spirit and you don't take his power away from him, but you make him useful because now strength is under control and strength is under submission because you has, he, he yields to the restraint in his mouth. And then the second way it is used that the midwives would all take their finger and they dip it in honey or something that would be sweet and they'd rub the palate of the newborn baby with something sweet and, and what the baby would do, they'd put their tongue to, to the roof of their mouth and it would stimulate a, a sucking and it would teach the kids how to suck and to nurse and get nourishment. Some have tasted, uh, some tastes have to be stimulated. Some tastes have to be acquired. How many love spinach? Did you love it when you was young? What food did you did not like when you was young? How about those little cabbages? You just signed up for those, didn't you? Brussels sprouts. How many signed up for Brussels sprouts? When you go through the smorgie today, you just dump them all on your plate, don't you? Some things you have to acquire a taste for. What am I going to say? You get them, you get your children to Jesus as soon as possible. Get them to the light. 3% of a child's life is spent in church. 80% of a child's life is spent in the home. It's mom and dad's responsibility to get them to Jesus. You lead them to Jesus. You lead them to the light. Teach your children the truth. They have a right to know the truth. They have a right to the light. Get them to the light. Now, society will have no mercy on them. When you, if you do not train them, if you do not give them the truth and, so that they can walk in the light, then society is going to have a way with them. I'm telling you, they, society will brutalize them because they do not have a compass to chart their court through light because the light wasn't given by mom and dad. Get them to Jesus as soon as possible. The Scripture just simply says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses the man who trusts in Him. Psalms chapter 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see. And why, if they've ever tasted of the goodness of God, when they was young or a teenager, they've ever tasted that at some point in their future, they'll be like the prodigal son. They'll come home to the father. It might be later in life at 83, but I'm telling you, they will come home to the father. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then finally, I'm quitting, okay? We owe them a life to follow. Thank God for your mom, Cedric. 
She gave you a life to follow. You're here today because of that, aren't you? Give them a life to follow. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1 just simply says, the Apostle Paul speaking, and he said, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Another way of saying that is this, follow me as I follow Christ. Come on, parents. The children have a right for a life to follow. Listen to the children while they play. Ain't it kind of funny what the children say? Skip a row. Mommy hates daddy. Daddy hates mom. Last night you should have heard the fight they had. Skip a row. Give them a life to follow. In every marriage there's going to be domestic discussions, not fights. Give them a light to follow. Some would say, don't do as I do, do as I say. How many knows that that won't work with children? They're too honest for that. They're not going to do that. They're not going to accept that. They need a life to follow. And remember, I'm not talking about your past. I'm talking about from now into your future. I have a past that's forgotten. It's under the blood. But I have responsibility to live a life that someone who can follow in my footsteps. Where are your children going to learn how to respond to other people's needs? How's your children going to learn how to serve others? Where are they going to learn to do that? See, the culture we live in is a self-centered and a selfish culture, and it's affecting the church. And majority of church people are becoming selfish and self-centered. And rather than be ser to be servants, they want to be served. Can we talk? Where are your children going to learn how to serve others? You'll be giving many opportunities in the next few days to teach your children how to serve. They're not going to learn it from anybody else but you. And if they don't see mom and dad willing to serve rather than be served, they're going to grow up with that same attitude. And the culture of the world will change them. And they'll become self-centered and selfish. And I'm going to tell you what, the world is way too far along on that. How are your children going to learn how to handle the issues of life? Where are they going to learn how to handle disappointment? Where are they going to learn how to handle difficulties? Crisis comes into your life. How are they going to learn how to handle that? They're going to learn that from you and I. They're going to learn it from your family. How does mom and dad handle the pressures of life, the difficulties of life? How do they handle it? In the future, when they have their difficulties and they face their issues, they'll remember what mom and dad did. When they come to a crisis in their marriage, and they will, how did they handle it? How did mom and dad handle it? Can, are we communicating today? We owe them. They have a right for a life to follow. How are they going to learn how to build a home? 
How are they going to learn how to relate? How husbands and wives relate to each other? They're going to learn it in the home that you gave them. How are they going to learn how to live for and respond to God? They're going to learn it by watching you. How mom and dad responds to God. Probably your most important lesson that you're going to teach your children is how to respond to God. I noticed Linda was taking a picture down here of these boys, these young juniors praying. Where'd they learn how to do that? They're watching you guys. When all your adults come forward for prayer, that's what taught those kids to do that. Taught those kids. Now, they might not even be praying theological words that we would or whatever. But you know what? They was, they was praying for each other. I believe God, it don't have to be, I think God was listening and hearing. Where did they learn? They learned that from all you guys. Because you come and you, you have a need, you're not afraid or ashamed or intimidated. You come with your needs. And all across this building, there's young people, children, juniors, watching you. How are they going to learn how to respond to God? They're going to learn by the example that you put in front of them. Every head bowed. Father, I give this congregation to you today. What a tremendous responsibility the families have in the society in which we live. Because what mom and dads do affect the children. And when the children grow up, they're going to have a, the things that they do is going to have a positive or negative effect on our society. I want to say something to you. You may have raised your children in church and you may and have done the best you could to teach them right from wrong. Let me say to you today, you may be disappointed because they may not be serving God or even in church today. I want to encourage you today. You're not responsible for the choices that those young people make. You, you've done your part. And I can show you in the scripture where parents that did the right thing, their children grew up and did not serve God. Samson's parents did everything in the world to raise him right, but he still made bad decisions in life. But it wasn't his parents' fault. They begged him. They encouraged him to do the right thing. And you may be here today, and you've done that right, same thing, but you have children that are not serving God. Well, listen, they didn't learn that from you. They're just simply making some bad decisions that you never taught them to make. But our hope is the same road that took them away from God will one day bring them back to God. That's our hope. We have planted the seed. You have planted the seed in those young people's lives when they was young. And I'm telling you, the Word still lives in their heart. Even though it may not look like there's any hope. The Word's still been planted. And I'm telling you, 
I trust the seed. Trust the seed today. I want you to encourage these folks today, God. I want them to forget about yesterday. Maybe their failures are things they failed to do that even today may cause them pain and heartache. I want you to encourage them today that that is the past and today is new. And what we do today and what we do in our tomorrows, should you tarry, is going to be vitally important to our children and to their children as parents and grandparents from generation to generation may we accept the responsibility of planting seeds into our children's lives in Jesus name in Jesus name